Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. As um, someone who is deludedly a Lewis Hamilton Mercedes biased person, and I love that that's allowed here, I have let myself imagine that it was a killer upgrade. After flash flooding in northern Italy, the Emilia-Romagna GP was correctly cancelled by the F1 authorities. Our thoughts and prayers go out to all of those affected. But the wheels at Brackley and Brixworth keep turning and attention turns to Monte Carlo this weekend, where Mercedes will finally bring their long-awaited and season-defining upgrades. Join me, Valve Baines, on this bumper episode of the Silver Arrows podcast as we discuss all the main talking points from the past few weeks and preview the Monaco Grand Prix. Joining us on our bumper panel this week, we welcome back journalist Adam Williams. Hello, Adam. Hello, it's a pleasure to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Uh, Sky Sports, Cara Bostock. Hello, Cara. Hello, Valve. I'm excited to talk all things Mercedes again. Obviously, obviously. Engineer Tom Fletcher. Hello, Tom. Hi, Valve. Yeah, let's get, let's get this one going again. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Let's don't forget this party started. And a big welcome for the first time to the Silver Arrows podcast is Spanners from the Mist Apex podcast. Spanners, thank you so much for joining us. It's fantastic to have you on. Hooray, a Mercedes podcast. Get in there, Lou. Come on. <laughs> right. As Tom said, let's, uh, let's get this party started. So, Cara, to kick things off, Lewis Hamilton's future. If rumours are to be believed, Ferrari have offered him £40 million per year to move to Italy. How confident are we that he'll still be at Mercedes next year? This is one of those where I'm like, is this the media's fault? And as someone who works in the media, I put my hands up that we, we do get overexcited. But people keep saying, oh, there's a delay to the contract, but there's not necessarily. Previously, Lewis has signed his contract extensions in July, and we're currently in May. So I don't think people need to get too overexcited yet. On one hand, you know, he's a winner. And if the upgrades don't bring them any closer, that is going to be a huge factor in his decision. And it could take Mercedes five years, you know, to get to this Red Bull level. And Lewis has probably not got five years. I think most Mercedes fans in their gut think he's using these words like home and he's more likely to stay. Adam, I saw you laughing uh, when Cara said us in the media <laughs> love to spin these rumours. Yes. Uh, well, I, I often say to people when they say, what's my job? I say, I am the media. Um 
I can't I can't see Lewis going to Ferrari. Um yes, he's a winner and he will want to, to look elsewhere if Mercedes can't offer that. But are Ferrari really going to offer that? I'm not sure. We've seen Alonso, Vettel and now Leclerc all try and, and win there. Lewis doesn't want to join that long list or growing list of people that went to Ferrari and couldn't make it happen. Then again, if anyone could, it would be him and he'd quite like that. Um, I can also remember that he talked about McLaren as his home before he moved to Mercedes. He, he, he said that he was growing up in McLaren and he was just going and exploring around for a bit. And what, what an exploration he's had as he came to the Silver Arrows. Um, I would say I'm 99% sure that Lewis stays in silver, well, in black and um, white, if you like. Uh, or, or the Mercedes colours is probably an easier way to describe it. Um, and, and that will continue next year. So I just want to chime in and say the thought of Lewis Hamilton to Ferrari is abhorrent. I would hate it as a massive Lewis Hamilton fan. I would disavow Lewis Hamilton. If you're if you're listening, Lewis, you know, I've been a fan of his since the junior series coming through, supported him through the, the dark years where we thought there'd never be another championship again. If he goes to the old enemy, and by the way, I love Ferrari being my enemy. I love Ferrari being the bad guys. The Ferrari, they are the empire. They are the dark side. And for Lewis Hamilton to turn up at a Grand Prix in a Ferrari race suit would absolutely rip my heart out. And that would be the end. That would be the end of my Lewis fandom and the end of my Mercedes fandom for letting it happen. It, it can't happen. It's disgusting. And I, I, I pray to the gods of F1 to stop this aberration. So, Spanners, do you think it's worse if he stays at a team that's got no chance of winning a championship ever again? No, that's fine. You'd rather him stay there than get an opportunity to win a race again? Yeah, I think absolutely. It would be, A, it would be a mistake. I think Adam Adam was right. I could envisage Ferrari never winning another championship. I could envisage no Ferrari driver ever becoming world champion again because they seem to have got themselves culturally into this, this rut where they are uh, living in fear. They're kind of developing for the moment. They do show, uh, te- uh, what do you call it, glory runs on a Friday. In testing, they come out looking strong and they don't develop well does Lewis Hamilton want to go down that path um, I think I think it's unrealistic to say that that would be a better move anyway and if I look at the teams ahead that are going to win championships you're really looking at Red Bull or Mercedes I think over the next five years anyway um, so yeah I think it's just culturally is that going to be something that Lewis Hamilton wants I just I can't see it and I think it would be a betrayal I'm going to go that far I asked a question here what is Lewis Hamilton's end game with Mercedes? I don't think it's just driving for them. I think I can see him in that Nicky Lauda sort of role, advising, not necessarily going to all of the races, but but providing that, that kind of uh, expertise um, and management and, and looking at the, the cultural diversity within that team. I know he's already doing that as a leader, but I think he'll continue to want to do that within Mercedes. Um, I, I think also it's part of his brand, the fact that he's been with Mercedes engine since the start of F1. And, and, and that loyalty probably speaks more than um, the prancing horse, which, of course, it, it's, it's something tempting for, for any Formula One driver. But 
I think you could argue that Lewis Hamilton is as close to being as big as Ferrari as a driver can be. Uh, you, you could maybe say Senna, Schumacher are, are, are close as well, but in terms of the reach that Hamilton has, I would argue that he's above. Um, so, so yeah, it's part of his legacy, really, and he will stay at Mercedes. You heard it here. Um, and you can play this out if I'm wrong. Well, you definitely will. Tom, I want to bring you in. Do you think <laughs> Lewis will do a Anakin Skywalker and go to the dark side over at Ferrari? No, definitely not. Uh, he is Mercedes as far as I'm concerned. He, he's, he's built a team up around him. He's, you know, his, his success is part of Mercedes' success and vice versa. It's, it's, it's been a journey for him. And I think this is the best place for him. I think all, all the upgrades coming the, over the next couple of races are going to be superb. Um, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see, obviously. I don't want to tempt fate too early. Um, but yeah, I, I can't see Ferrari turning their season around or 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 sorting out their their little trip ups that they they keep having all the time. Um, yeah, for me, I, I can't see him moving. I really can't. I think he knows this is the best place for him, and 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 only time will tell. But yeah, we've we mentioned the upgrades before. Spanners, we 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 meant to see these massive upgrades, these huge upgrades at Imola. For obvious reasons, we didn't see that. So do you think Lewis is waiting for those upgrades to see what's happening? Cara mentioned it as well. So what do we think Lewis's mindset and sort of his mind space is at the moment? So it's a Schrodinger's upgrades at the moment, isn't it? Because they didn't appear in Imola. So they're either, and one of these two things is true, they're either going to solve all the problems that Mercedes are having and giving them a platform to move forward, or they would have come out at Imola and been horribly disappointing. So as as um, someone who is deludedly a Lewis Hamilton Mercedes biased person, and I love that that's allowed here, I have let myself imagine that it was a killer upgrade. Like in my head, Hamilton has been robbed a definite win and Russell has been robbed of a, a, an, an honourable third place. So at least a double podium for, for Mercedes. Um, but the fact that they're rolling it out in Monaco I think is slightly psychologically telling. So I think, you know, it's not really going to have an effect at Monaco because Monaco will be, you know, it's a a Saturday sprint followed by a traffic jam. If it was something they were not sure about, I think they keep their powder dry and then bring that out in Barcelona, which has traditionally been this kind of test track for Formula One. It's perfect because you'll go to Barcelona, you've got a variety of corners, you've got a high down force, turn three up the hill. You've got big stops. Um, oh, no chicane this year, though. And I think that would have been something to do if they were feeling a bit unsure. I think they want to roll this update out of the garage in Monaco. And I'm hoping they're going to say, oh, look, side pods, we finally gave in. And I know people keep saying, and I'm sure Tom's going to argue, oh, it's not all about the side pods. It is a bit. All the other teams have got side pods and they're not complaining and having to rip up, well, McLaren are. I think that is clearly a missing part of the package. And I think in modern F1, when you see people try and do something stupendously different and jag off in a wild direction, you kind of go, oh, that's probably, that's probably not going to work. When's the last time you can think of an innovation where a team rolled out, the car looked completely different and it was some stunning delivery. So if you look at the 2013 um, asymmetric twin tusk of the Lotus and you go, that looks weird. That's either genius or garbage, and it turned out to be garbage and not work. 
and the same thing when Mercedes turned up with no side pods. Um, yeah, so I think if they roll out with side pods, it's at least a sign that they're going to something more conventional for this regulation period, something more sensible. Yeah, I totally agree with these spanners. I think them rolling out that uh, Monaco is going to, um, it's, it's really telling, really. It shows that they, they know there's performance in those upgrades. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it so soon. Um, yeah, I think, like you said, maybe maybe we'll see side pods. I think it's it's already noted as uh, as an update. Um, with the, the the main target is to get that diffuser working, because at the moment all of all of the aero load is pushed forwards, um, and and the front of the floor is working far far better than the rear. Um, so by adding the side pods, what what they're trying to do there is trying to help the diffuser work a bit more effectively. Um, but yeah, uh, Monaco not ideal to 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 do back to back testing with, um, as particularly as it's going to rain as well by the looks of it. So. Um, the data that they're going to get is is going to be not great in terms of understanding what what changes you've made and 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 what what the futures um, what those changes are going to do further down the line at different circuits. Yes, it's, it's definitely a good point. Uh, Spanners, I just want to go back to you very very quickly. The F1 CEO made some comments about Mercedes just very recently. He's been really active. Every page I turn, every app I open, it's Stefano Dominicali saying stuff, and I've got a bit of a weird feeling that he's willing on Mercedes, right? So there's a, a bit of psychology to what he said. He didn't say I think the Mercedes upgrades will be quite good. Uh, he didn't even say they'd be very good. He said very, very soon. That's what he said. He said the Mercedes upgrades will uh, show performance very, very soon. He obviously is in the know to some extent. And for anyone who thinks that there is no conversations within the FIA, within Liberty Media about parity of teams, then I have a bridge to sell you. And if you're gullible, that's fine. I have gullible friends. Uh, but there is always a concern from the governing body about one team running away. I'm, I'm nearly certain the regulations were changed to favour the strong, long wheelbase, low profile, low rake Mercedes concept and to bring other teams into it. So I actually don't mind that. Artificially nerfing a regulation to make your sport more competitive and more marketable seems fairly sensible to me. But the, and again, I'm playing armchair psychologist, Stefano Dominicali seems to be actively willing Mercedes on because I think he's coming under pressure about boring races, uh, Verstappen, Red Bull domination. So when he comes out to say that, I feel like that's because he wants it and he has heard that that might be the case. That's definitely a good point because, Adam, I, I want to come to you because George Russell said a few weeks ago that Red Bull might be sandbagging. Do you think there's any truth in, in those rumours? Uh, I, I think potentially they they won't be using all of their performance unless the drivers between themselves are having to compete uh, at that level or Verstappen's having to drive through the field like we saw the other day. You're right about... Dimilicali coming under pressure. He, his job is to sell the sport to the world, and he's doing a really good job of that at the moment. And America are taking it up, and they're buying tickets by the load. They're buying tickets at expensive prices too. Um, and as are the broadcasters. Um, and and when there's lots of money being thrown at it by broadcasters, countries wanting to host. And by the fans, they expect a good product. So 
I think it won't just be those those three. It'll be the teams too. Um, Toto Wolf might be having conversations with Stefano uh, about that, and and you can see why Red Bull would want to kind of sit back a bit and not not go too too hard. Although, as we know from the Mercedes domination days. Yes, it might be uh, biased towards us as Mercedes fans, but it still can be exciting. Uh, but it requires both drivers to be in the fight and, and be given equal opportunities. Maybe that's a different podcast where the Red Bull are doing that. But yeah, I think Formula One does need a more competitive field and and it won't just be Mercedes and its drivers hoping that, that these upgrades, the Imola upgrades that on Imola, they will be hoping that the upgrades uh, uh, bring the teams together. I feel like I'm going to be the voice of doom on the podcast this time around. Reason. Thank you, Adam. Um, (laughs) And I love the excitement from everyone else, but Toto has said, like, you can't just attach side pods to the car and then expect it to be a Red Bull. You know, that's going to completely change the aerodynamics. And I know we're bringing new front suspension and I know Spanish, you're preparing something to say and we're bringing a new floor. (laughs) But is in this one step, every team, you know, is going to be bringing some form of upgrades over the next few races. Red Bull are so far ahead. Are we going to get a race winning car this season? Yeah, that's, that's, I just feel I needed to bring the room down a little bit. Well, I, that I, worked. Yeah, we're all feeling downbeat now. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Let's get into the car then. So here at the Silver Arrows podcast, we have unofficially, officially named the new upgrades, the W14B. So, Tom, do you think we're expecting a big step forward or just as Toto has suggested, a new baseline for the car? To be honest, I think it is just going to be a new baseline. Um, The one thing we have to bear in mind is that lots of... um, Every every other team has had uh, a year and a bit of development of their concepts, whereas Mercedes now doing a big U-turn. Um, it's going to be unexplored territory for them, I think. Uh, so we, we, to be honest with you, 
all all I'm looking for is just for them to go, okay, we know what the car's capable of. We know we know how to set the thing up um, and we can see a direction that we can we can progress and 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 start to nibble away at the other teams with. I, what I don't want to see is just head scratching when when the engineers are confused why their their simulations aren't matching up with reality, um, and, and that's going to be the turning point in their in their season and coming up into the next year as well. I was just going to say, let's not forget twenty twenty one. Oh, remember twenty twenty one. The the last major upgrade was for Mercedes was in Silverstone, and then they developed from there. And the car only really became more competitive than the Red Bull around Brazil time when when Lewis started making the comeback, the comeback that we all thought would would make things uh, allow him to get the eighth. Uh, but but we know what happened there. But the point is. This this baseline kind of idea is exactly how it will be. All, all teams will be trying to get those baselines, but Mercedes have incredible people. Yes, diminishing numbers of people um, because they're going elsewhere, but there's still a, a, a huge amount of talent in that team. So you can see them developing quite well throughout the season and, and maybe just maybe there will be a Mercedes victory. I've had a thought about it, Cara, and I'm going to take a chance and say, yes, there will be one. It could it could be Brazil again. It could be a wet race. It could be Monaco, although I feel that's more likely to be a Mercedes engine driven by a Spaniard. But I think that there will be a Mercedes works victory and it's coming yeah. this year. There's three things on this podcast that we don't talk about. Death, taxes, and the last lap, Abu Dhabi 2021. But uh, spanners, I just want I to come to you. I didn't mention that. You did. <laughs> it's, it's all on my head now. But uh, spanners, yeah, I, I was listening to the uh, Missed Apex podcast that you that you host, and you had it's some interesting good, ideas. It? It's, it's quite good, yeah. I've heard some good things about it. But are you expecting like a, a big step forward uh, on the W14? Well, I don't want to say in front of Kara because now I feel like, oh, I'm some, you know, mutton-headed dreamer. But you know, I'm going to be optimistic. We need both ends of the spectrum. No, we don't. We don't need that. Uh, a hex, a hex on you and your ancestors. Uh, but I am, I am positive because I think this decision to take a different direction was pretty much made in testing and was pretty much, you know, implemented and confirmed that they were going in the, in the wrong direction at the Bahrain Grand Prix. And it was just incredible from a, a, a psychological point of view, watching Toto Wolf basically openly, openly declaring war on his tech department um, and saying, look, I was told, I was told when I walked in and saw a car that looked like the same concept, don't worry, it looks the same, but it's blinking brilliant. And then it wasn't during testing and he was visibly angered and then he pushed mike elliott uncomfortably into press conferences where you know he was trying to sit and explain i i whatever they say i think the decision was made there and then no let's go the wrong way so damage limitation all the way up until now i think this is, hasn't been something they decided to do three or four weeks ago uh, this is something they've been now working on for the the whole beginning of the season so i think there is reason to be optimistic there is at least a chance that, and you're right to call it a, a B-spec valve, there is a chance that this comes out and just leapfrogs to the front of the field. That is possible. 
we're not talking about taking their existing concept and then slowly building up aero points here, there, or, or anywhere. This is Mercedes, and they're coming out with a brand new car. So treat this with, you know, it's another top roll of the dice. It, it could be disappointing. And Cara's doomsaying could be correct. But I think, why not be optimistic? And if things are terrible come Barcelona, we can be sad then. But Cara wants us to be sad now. And I don't agree. I don't want us to be sad. I'm just, you know, I'm coming from this impartial journalist point of view. And... I think maybe Toto's rubbing off on me and all his negativity whenever he gets asked about anything in the press. And on one hand, you're like, oh, he's just bluffing. They're going to bring something amazing. And on the other hand, you're like, is he preparing us for nothing big to happen again? But I'm just here to prevent disappointment and you're here to get the people excited. You and and Toto are good parents and that's what a good dad should do. Yes, we are going to the fun fair. No, we haven't got loads of money to just spend on everything and parts of it might be closed and it might rain. So don't get all excited. Anything we do is a bonus. So maybe you're right. I'm preventing the tears. Monaco is a good fun fair, though. That, that was a good fun fair. <laughs> Do you remember we all went? That was such a fun, uh, fun fair. But Cara, I just wanted to ask you, with what Spanner said earlier, with Monaco being a car park, do you think it'll be hard for Mercedes to test and implement all the stuff, all the upgrades that the W14 will bring this weekend? Yeah, I think us in the media, again, might be able to run away with things a little bit because Monaco is not a level playing field and you're never going to understand fully the car's potential and the upgrade's potential there. So in some ways that makes it even more exciting because you're adding more suspense. Like, oh, does this look a little bit better? Let's see in Barcelona. And a big problem with Mercedes, as we've touched on previously, it's almost come across as if they don't know what's been wrong with the car. And that's been really alarming. You need to know what's wrong so you can fix it. So if there's some progress here where it feels like they've pinpointed the problems and they've been addressing some of them, I think that's that's the time that we can take positives away from it. I, I don't know how long to keep this back and forth going with Spanners. Not as many positives as maybe Spanners is saying, but some positives. No, yes. it's okay. Don't worry. I'm sad now. Well, that's okay. I'll, I'll be the uh, cool uncle just breaking you two up. So, uh, Tom, let's go to you now. So, let's turn our attention to the drivers a little bit more. We've had some questions about their preferred driving and their setup style. So, I wonder, Tom, if you can talk to me a little bit about the driving styles of, uh, of both Hamilton and Russell. Yes, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting to, to look at the actual differences in, in their driving styles. So, uh, so one thing that's really apparent is is how Lewis is so good on the brakes. So what he'll do is come up to a big stop. He'll he'll put far more energy into the brakes, slow the car right down, and get the car turned into the apex, and then almost straight line it through the apex to the to the exit. Um, whereas George would be he did take a more uh, traditional karting line where where um, momentum is more important. So um, he did carry the speed through the corner. Um, now, which one's better? Uh, to be honest with you, I, I'm still on the fence. Like, I don't really know. Um, maybe Russell's um, driving style is better in, in a one-lap uh, performance-wise. Um, uh, purely um, looking, at, looking at Hamilton, he, one advantage he's having with, with this, um, this higher energy braking, getting the car stopped and turned in, is it's, it's putting a lot less energy through the tires. So during during the race, 
he's actually able to to save his tyres a bit more than than Russell would. But maybe then because of that loses out on one lap performance uh, in terms of firing up the tyres and um, and things like that. In terms of balance, it, this is really difficult to to try and get across that um, when when you're setting up a car, it's not. You're not going, okay, I, I want loads of front end. I want the car to be really pointy. It's it's tiny, tiny, tiny um, shifts in balance. So if a car, if, if a driver's, driver says they prefer the car on the nose, what they're doing is just ever so slightly moving, moving the balance forward. So you're not, you're not, you're not sliding the car, but you're liking good feeling from the front tires. So the car's turning in nicely. Um, something, something that Lewis normally does is set the car up to to be on the nose a little bit just to help him with that turning um to get the car slowed down turned in to the apex and pointing towards the to the exit whereas george may be slightly preferring a slightly more neutral car um to to carry that speed through the corner uh i urge you to go away and have a look at um the comparison in george russell and lewis hamilton's uh quali laps in austria australia um, there's a really good example of, of the different driving styles, particularly towards the end of the lap. You can see uh, Lewis a lot slower in, um, whereas George is carrying much more, much more speed through the corner, um, but ultimately ending up in a very, very similar lap time. So, yeah, it's fascinating to, to see um, the differences between their driving. And also, um, it's, I'm, I'm saying this from a very general point of view, but sometimes they, they, their, their styles change during during the race weekend and maybe they, they they look at each other's data and go okay lewis is quicker here george is quicker here so and then they're constantly swapping um ideas around um it's just really interesting to to see oh i've got a, a driving style question there for yeah. you tom it's uh, something that i've i've been working on with my, my karting and in sim racing and it's about like where you where you try and put the weight of the vehicle so the style you're you're discussing with george russell mm -hmm. I guess earlier in the corner, he's trying to put weight onto the outside of the car gradually uh, with, with the brakes. And it's more of a, a kind of a gradual progression yes. through the corner. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then and Lewis Hamilton is trying to do it more kind of in a straight line, pointing at the apex and doing more of the work at the apex. Does, does that not lend to completely different car setup and design philosophies? Like it's legitimate for Bottas to, to have complained that perhaps this car, although equal, is has been developed for Lewis Hamilton, and the same thing could be happening at, at Red Bull as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one one thing that's it's quite interesting to to to, to really understand is is this new regulation of on the on the floors. Um, it's kind of it, it, I think it actually puts a disadvantage on Lewis. Um, the, the main reason being is you're trying to keep the floor as stable as possible, um, whereas he's he's jamming it hard on the brakes, and and like you said. Russell is is almost allowing the weight transfer across the front axle as he turns in. Um, this, this sort of looking after the, the stability of the floor and, and keeping also keeping keeping the the speed nice and high as well to keep to keep that floor working properly. Um, so yeah, it's it's. I think I'm saying this like it's like it's a massive problem for Lewis but I have seen during his career he has adapted his driving style depending on the cars and, and how the tyres work so I don't think it's it's going to be a massive problem to him and I think it, it will be a matter of time before we see his true fire come out um, we've only seen it a few times um, during these, these new regulations anyway but 
Um, I think it's only a matter of time. So when do you think, Tom, that that fire will come back? Uh, probably when he has a more stable car to drive. I think he spends a lot of energy, I feel, in looking at where the time's lost and, and how he can Im- improve. And the problem is when, when you've got a car that you have no idea how to set up, you can waste so much energy just going round in circles, um, playing with all, all kinds of things and just getting in a real mix mix up with with roll bars and and ride heights and and how much wing to 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 to, to use um yeah i just think i i want to say we're going to start seeing it from these when these new upgrades come to the car um i i honestly can't wait i i really want people to realize that you know we haven't we haven't yet seen the best from from it um and it's yeah it's only a matter of time i don't want to take your um your role, Bev, as the presenter, but I've got a question. What do what do Mercedes do in the short to medium future in terms of their, their car setup? Because it's pretty clear that George Russell is their future and Lewis Hamilton is not going to be around forever. But that they say in the media that the priority is getting Lewis that eighth title back. Do they develop the car in that direction for Lewis and then switch back to Russell later on, further delaying Russell's opportunities to seek titles? Or do they go towards Russell's side um, and say to Lewis, look, you're going to have to adapt. Uh, We've got to think about the long term. It's probably something that they're having to think a lot about. Um, And and you you might be able to help out here Tom yeah I think you make a good point um but the one thing I want to be clear on is it's not when we say Lewis's driving style he doesn't drive like that all the time um he, he picks and chooses when he does right. when he does it um so for example if he's trying to tire save that would be how he w- would go about tire saving um whereas maybe maybe George struggles a little bit with that that element um so it's it's something that we're, we're going to see I think he does he does change his driving style depending on what circuit you're at and, and, and how the weekend's unfolding. So I just think that his, his energy is not completely focused on his driving at the moment. It's, it's trying to get the team behind him. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but I, I don't want to tempt fate at all, but, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. When Lewis was in the peak of his powers, uh, and I can't believe I'm talking about that like it's in the past, but it is, uh, and Mercedes were at their dominant best, he would simply sweep the steering wheel. It looked so smooth and serene. And I know that the regulations have changed now, but but when you look at, at the way that Lewis is applying the wheel, he's he's kind of seesawing at it. So it is clear that they, they need more, more stability. And when that comes, that, that will be clear in the steering wheel. So... I guess that's what we'll be looking out for in Monaco, but probably more so Spain. How stable is that steering wheel? How how gently can he he flow into the corners and Russell too uh, as as they they look to to gain on on Red Bull? Because while it feels faster, and uh, we know this from go karting or mountain biking or whatever form of of wheel fun we'd like to have uh, it feels faster to go sideways in and big movements but it's about the smooth movements um that that's what gets you there faster and i'm no expert on that but i i can vouch for it too um having done a little bit of go-karting and, and mountain biking myself and line biking oh, I- around london if 
if you know, you know. <laughs> I, I've just added so uh, fun. wheel fun to my uh, vocabulary, Adam. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know how to summarise <laughs> all of <laughs> Very niche. Very, very niche. Very, very, very niche. So, uh, Carl, we spoke about both drivers quite a bit, but who do you think is performing better within the within the team? Oh, that's such a difficult question because... It, as Tom has spoken about, George is better at qualifying and Lewis is at the moment better on race pace. And um, we look at last season and George beat Lewis. He was only the third driver ever when in a partnership with Lewis Hamilton to have beat him across a whole season. But Hamilton blamed that on the fact that he was more willing to experiment with dis- different setups. Um, and I think that sh- shows to his hunger to really find the best way shows to his hunger to get the best out of this car. I think it's going to be extremely close, but at the end of the day, race pace is more important than qualifying. So I think Hamilton will come out well on top. Said. Hamilton's better. So can I can I just be like really controversial and just say like Lewis Hamilton's like better than George Russell. I think to me that feels obvious. And Adam, I know it's sad, uh, but you're not supposed to say it out loud that he will have passed his peak. But of course he's passed his peak. He's like what, late 30s? Like, have you tried being 42? Don't, it is don't make awful. me tear up. Everything hurts <laughs> all the time. And um, I think to be a top-level athlete, even Alonso, you know, it, it, even Lewis Hamilton, they'll all be feeling that slight decline. And it's a managed decline. And sorry to be depressed, uh, depressing about middle age, but that's <laughs> life, isn't it? It's a managed decline to the end. Um, so I still think Lewis Hamilton is one of the best, if not the best driver, but... His attitude will be all about winning that championship. And while they're not uh, on course currently to win that title, I don't think he's sitting there going, let's fully maximize just this weekend's potential with what we've got. He'll be pushing forward. He'll be pushing for that, that extra thing and that extra level that will take them somewhere. Whereas George Russell, to his credit, is a, a phenomenon in his, in his own right. He seems like a very, very hardworking, attention to detail kind of driver. And he is just going out there and maximizing what they've got. Lewis is going for something extra, something special. And I think we've seen uh, over the last year and a bit that when Lewis Hamilton has a great day, he is a head and shoulders above George Russell. And you've only got to go and watch the, and you should always be watching the lap times during the race. I can't think of a race last season where I was looking at the lap times through the race and in a comparable stint going, oh, George Russell is is the faster driver on this tyre at this part of the race. It very rarely happened. So I think when Lewis Hamilton is at his peak, I don't think George Russell has an answer for him. And whilst they're not competing for the title, that almost it doesn't matter that Hamilton is having some lows while he's trying other things or going over the edge. The, the test will be if they come when they come out, with a title challenging car in, in Monaco and Barcelona, does Hamilton's attitude change there? Because he kind of has lost out once in this scenario where he gave Verstappen too much room to, to, uh, to be the win or bin driver. He'd spent too long getting out of Verstappen's way. And when it came down to it, didn't hold his ground. He might have that test again, because right now he's not really fighting George Russell. He's not interested in fighting George Russell. That might become a reality if they have a title winning car. But yeah, I'm I'm not willing to crown George Russell after a promising a promising few seasons 
fighting, I don't want to say fighting bums, that's disrespectful, but he wasn't challenged at Williams and he's come to Mercedes and made a good positive start. He's clearly a top level professional driver, but to start crowning him as even on par with Lewis Hamilton already is incredibly previous. So yeah, Lewis Hamilton's better and he's going to win and still time to win the title. There's like 85 races left. Obviously, a major discussion point this season has been a technical director job with Mike Elliott and James Allison swapping roles. But physical infrastructure is important too. Today, Mercedes announced another £70 million worth investment into the Brackley site to create a Silicon Valley-like campus with more state-of-the-art tech and machinery. Uh, so, Tom, how do you think that sets Mercedes up for the future? Well, it should it should draw in some, some nice new talent. Um, uh, it's it's something that's it's really important and it is is sometimes um underrated really uh just just keeping keeping your your facilities in a in a much uh, neater um uh, more professional uh, out, outlook for for um future people to to come in and 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 get excited by as well i think um something that maybe um Mercedes are lacking a little bit is is obviously they've they've lost a lot of of good people um and I think this is a drive in order to get those that talent back and try and claw some um like I said claw that talent back into into the uh, into the team taking that into account Cara how set are Mercedes for the future I think you know if Mercedes are going to get one thing right it's the long game and they're clearly doing this to entice new people. Although I have got a sad analogy here because I've been lucky enough to go to the Leicester City um, training ground and it's like a spaceship. It's incredible, the most incredible training facilities ever. But it does look pretty certain that they're going to be relegated this season. So I don't know if, again, I'm bringing the doom here, guys. Um, It's not all about the training ground. Um, But yeah, like I said, I think Toto is such a good business person in that way and they've realized how important the people are and they're going to pull out all the stops to try and get the best ones. Cara, I think you should be a bit more upbeat with uh, with your predictions. Uh, everything's going on now. Uh, Adam, let's go to you. Well, there was there was even talk recently that Mercedes were trying to get Mr. Newey to, to go over to their side of things. Uh, I think we knew that that wasn't going to happen, but that is the point. Uh, people are, are what develop a team forward and, and a diverse group of people even more so because it means that you've got even more ideas and perspectives and and that is why the best businesses are at the top i, I look at apple i look at sky where car and i are like it took so long to try and get into the business but once you're in they really invest in you they look after you and and they get give you opportunities to grow and develop and that's what mercedes are are doing here and yes people will ask questions about the budget cap this isn't involved in the budget cap Uh, it it means that they're going to have a a campus from what i understand um, a little bit like silicon valley so that is something that is an exciting prospect red bull a huge rival of theirs has already started building a campus in Milton Keynes and uh, you've got to to be doing similar things if you want to be the best in Formula One uh, it, and it is like an arms race isn't it but but 
who makes the arms. Just before we uh, sign off for this week, I want to just get predictions quickly for Monaco. So let's do a round robin. Uh, Tom, let's start with you. Front row lockout, I reckon. Stick a load of wing on it, <laughs> raise it up, make it soft, send it. Easy. Toto, I hope you're listening. Spanners. Yeah, park the silver bus like they did in 2013 uh, in front of Sebastian Vettel. Nothing he could do. I predict that in a surprise shock uh, turn of events, Mercedes will turn up in a golf livery and that will be declared the greatest livery that has ever existed and not just a massively overhyped moving billboard. Uh, But on a serious note, I think this is a good opportunity for an Alonso win. So I'm going to go for Fernando Alonso victory. Perfect. Nice. Cara? I'm going to go with George getting on the podium. I'm thinking third for Russell. And that's mainly because Spanners has just said how much better Lewis is than him, forgetting that he beat Lewis last season. Um, oh. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking George third. I, I'm hoping for Alonso as well. Perez second. Let's hope Max crashes out. Let's fingers crossed there. And last one, by no means least, uh, Adam. Firstly, it's a good job that this is online because it's getting tasty. Uh Alonso wins, Leclerc crashes, and uh, Mercedes, they haven't done so well in Monaco previously. Hamilton keeps finishing seventh, so I'm guessing that's where he'll finish this time. I can see Russell getting a podium, but it's because you've got to be good in qualifying when you're in Monaco. However, it's raining. So I'm going to take that away. Hamilton's going to win. 2008 Monaco vibes. (laughs) Thank you so much, guys. This is the most people we have ever had on the Silver Arrows podcast. And it was an absolute pleasure talking to you all. Cheers, pal. Thank you very much. Thank you. Who's going? Who's going to Monaco? No. No. And that's about it for this week. A massive thank you to Tom, Spanners, Cara and Adam for joining us. And thanks to you for listening. Do remember to follow us on Twitter at MerckF1Pod and hit that follow button in your podcast app. If you're enjoying these episodes and feeling extra kind, drop us a review and share it with anybody who you think may enjoy it. We'll see you next week after Monaco.